It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors. Sean here with you as always. And on today's show, I am taking your mailbag questions. Lots of great questions came in about trades, about the state of the Eastern Conference, about expectations for the rest of the year. We will get to all of your mailbag questions on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1064 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, November the 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We have got so much stuff for you. You can go and subscribe. Free and available on all platforms are all of our shows. We are on YouTube. You can subscribe over there. And uh, that's always very much appreciated. And uh, the YouTube people really helped set the stage for today's episode because we're going to be doing a mailbag episode, many of the questions for which came from YouTube yesterday. So thank you to those of you who have sent them in. And always be looking out for that mailbag prompt video, an extra little piece of content that I put on the page to prompt those mailbag questions. Before we get to that, though, got to tell you about our friends over at Truebill. Today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. It is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you do not want or need, and you can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Truebill, they're great, and we'll talk about them more a little bit later on in the show. I also want to just say thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Let's dive on in, shall we, to your many, many mailbag questions. Let's get to this one here first. This one comes from our pal, Freddie Revis. I always like to start the podcast talking about Scotty Barnes whenever I can, because why not? Scotty Barnes is the greatest. Freddie Revis, a former and future guest of the show and a master question asker for the mailbag, asks, will the court start to shrink for Scotty Barnes if he doesn't start hitting more threes, or is he just too crafty? This is a really interesting question, and I think a lot of it's kind of dependent on who he's playing with. You know, if Scotty Barnes is playing with four shooters, I think he can probably get by not being a shooter because most likely 
He's playing in the middle of the floor. He's operating in that sort of nail area, short rolling, diving to the basket, playing as a nominal center. I think he can get by with that. And the way Pascal Siakam is shooting three so far this season really gives me a lot of hope about that small ball lineup and how it can hang and how Scotty Barnes can make it work even though he's not much of a shooter. You know, he does this thing from the mid-range that's really encouraging, and it makes me hopeful for what can happen if teams start to sag off of him from the three-point line, and we saw him take a couple threes wide open in that game against the Warriors on Sunday. You know, he'll do this thing when he's in the 18-foot range where maybe he'll pick up his dribble after dribbling it up the floor. Maybe he gets the ball, uh, you know, in the short roll or something like that. And he'll kind of take a second. He'll, he's very patient. He's very calm. He'll take a survey of the floor, see where the defenders are. If there's a pass to be made, he'll make it. But if there's not, he'll just kind of casually fire one up. And it, it usually goes in because he's been money from mid-range so far this season. That has been a really effective piece for him. And it's just like this slow motion processing that you see kind of in real time with Scotty. It's really cool to see. And I, I do think... You know, there's no reason he can't take that five feet out. And I know Nick Nurse has talked a lot about really wanting to see Scotty Barnes take three, four threes a game just to keep the defense honest, because eventually that's going to have to be a part of his repertoire. And, and, you know, what better way to get a guy some reps than to force feed them to him, frankly. And I think we will see him start to take those more. You know, Scotty Barnes is such a unique and weird player because he really does seem like he wants to make the winning play at all times. And that often comes at his own offensive expense. And I think it was Zach Lowe had Mike Schmitz on his podcast a few weeks back talking about all the rookies in the NBA. They were talking about Scotty Barnes and Mike Schmitz shared a story about, I think it was at a high school game or, or, or some sort of college practice where Scotty Barnes, the coach for the team was telling him, you know, all right, you're going to go out there and score 25 points. And that's what you're going to do. You got to learn what it feels like to score 25. And Scotty Barnes asked, do assists count as points? Because that's the kind of player he is. So I don't think his natural inclination is to take a three-pointer knowing that his three-point percentage is, you know, in the 25% range or whatever it is. I guess it probably came up after that game where you hit the two threes against the Warriors because small sample sizes are fun. Uh, but I do think... You know, that's sort of against his nature to take that shot, even though for the long-term health of him as a player, for the Raptors as a whole, for his overall development, that is the shot the Raptors want him taking, and that's the shot Scotty Barnes should be taking, and it's just a fascinating sort of um, push and pull with Scotty Barnes, because he very clearly wants to make the right play, but... He also is, you know, kind of it's it's demanded of him that he sometimes be a little bit selfish. And I think that's a good thing in this context. Selfishness can be a good thing. And I think that's just kind of trying to drill those very unselfish tendencies out and find that right balance between looking for your own shot and not. And yeah, the three-pointer, I think, in those contexts where teams are sagging off of him, if he can start hitting those, that opens up so many avenues for him because he's such a great playmaker. Any extra passing lane or seam he can open up by taking a defender at one extra step on a three-point attempt, that is huge because he can find cutters that way. He can drive and try to get around guys that way. His strides are so long. He's shown a little bit of blow-by ability here and there. Not every night or anything like that, but he's shown it, and I think he'll get there because his handle and his strides are so uh, you know, refined for a 20-year-old. And yeah, just every extra little millimeter of space he's going to be able to exploit. So I think it's even more important for a guy like him than say like Kem Birch, for example. It'd be really great if Kem Birch could learn to, you know, kind of hit those. The way I kind of view Kem Birch is if he can become like Daniel Tice in the playoff series against the Raptors for the Celtics, that's great. 
You're not asking Daniel Tice and or Kem Birch to make these reads for you and exploit extra space. It's just, hey, there's an open shot, take it, and hopefully you make it. With Scotty Barnes, I think it very much is, you know, dependent on him to learn to exploit that extra space and find those ways to create that extra space with his shooting. And if he does, it's going to mean really good things for the overall health of the Raptors offense because of what a great passer he is and the way he sees the floor better than just about anybody else on the team. So great question, Freddie. I do think he'll have to get there at some point and just taking those threes more eagerly. And that game against the Warriors was a very promising start. Uh, let's get to another question here. Let's get trade silly. Why don't we get trade silly? We're, you know, we're like three weeks away now from the point where teams can start trading guys who sign contracts in the offseason. And I don't know, this is a fun sort of thing to talk about. Mostly because this week I- I've been watching the Spurs a little bit. I-, I saw them play the Suns a couple nights ago. I checked into one of their games earlier this week as well. Just kind of floating around looking at the Spurs on League Pass. And, you know, mostly going to watch the Coyote in the League Pass intermissions. But <laughs> otherwise, the Spurs have been a reasonably interesting team to watch. They're kind of like the Raptors, just like a couple talent scales below, where there's just like all these speculative guys, and we're not really sure what's going to sort of rise as the cream from it. But uh, they do have some inter- interesting players, including Jakob Pertl, who is amazing. And I was tweeting about him just like a whole love-in for him a couple nights ago, watching the Spurs late at night. He's delightful. He's incredible defensively. He finishes around the basket. I love him. He's a great passer for his you know position big Jakob Pertl fan and I'm thinking about how cool it would be to have a Raptors front court that has a rotation of Kem Birch and Jakob Pertl just giving you the most utterly competent and relaxed minutes at center that you've ever seen it's pretty exciting to think about uh, the question comes from at rapsfan 902 longtime listener to the show longtime interactor and question asker for the show how much would you give up for Jakob Pertl uh, so Jakob Pertl Again, he's going to be like one of these sort of apple of my eye type players this season, I think. One of those things that's never going to happen because why would the Spurs trade their second or third or maybe best player? I don't know. Uh, It it seems like that's not going to happen. They're in the midst of kind of building up here. That said, I think they could probably get something for him because he's a good player and he can kind of fit with anybody. You know, he doesn't shoot or anything like that, but as that sort of offensive hub who you can, you know, run stuff, you know, run handoffs with, run stuff in the post with him to sort of pass out of, run stuff on the pick and roll. He can work in the short roll and find cutters and things like that, plus the defense he provides, and he's only just 25 years old. I'm fully on board with trying to throw the the, the book at uh, Jakob Pertl to get him into Toronto once again. I would be fully on board with that. He currently makes 8.75 million bucks, so it's not a crazy salary that you're looking at here. I think for me, like, I think Chris Boucher is probably the salary matching ballast that goes the other way. I would probably give up, like, a top, you know, like a lottery protected first for, for Jakob Pertl. You might have to throw something else in there considering he's on such a value contract. But if you could get yourself a rotation of Jakob Pertl and Kem Birch, baby, I would be so on board with that. I might even consider tossing Malachi Flynn into that conversation. Uh, You know, a Flynn plus Boucher, maybe a a heavily protected, maybe the top 20 protected first or something like that a couple years down the line. Maybe that gets it done. I'm not sure. It depends totally on what the Spurs feel about Malachi Flynn. Maybe the Spurs never want to deal with San Diego State Aztec players ever again. That would be totally fair, I suppose. Uh, But I I am, uh, yeah, I'm huge on Yak. I, I think it would be a great addition to the team. And if you can kind of clear out some of that other front court clutter on the way I would be fully on board there so yeah why not toss Jakob Pertl uh, or sorry Chris Boucher a, a you know 
protected first down the line and Malachi Flynn in a deal for Yak, I think that would really sure up things for the Raptors and make me very happy. I got to say, you know, back when Yak was on the team, he was hands down my favorite player to talk to after games. He was always so open. I would do this thing. He would have uh, German media usually talk to him for a little bit after games and then... I would just kind of sidle in and have a little chat with him. He was always so open, very sort of open to talking about X's and O's and stuff like that as well. Love Jakob Pertl, would love to see him back in Toronto. And I think reasonable trade target if you're the Raptors, considering the Spurs aren't really going anywhere. I don't think Yak is necessarily in their long, long-term plans. I don't know what their long, long-term plans are. They should probably just be built around Devin Vassell and nothing else. But uh, he's one of their better players right now. He's been really, really good this season. I'm fully on board the Yak train. Get him back in Toronto. Please do it. I'd love him so, so much. Uh, we will continue on here and uh, get some more of your mailbag questions here in just a second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Truebill, a company that really speaks to my sensibilities because my sensibilities are very forgetful. And I always forget that I've signed up for subscriptions for products that I forget to cancel and then they cost me money. For example, I one time signed up for a an e-card site uh, during the pandemic to send a birthday card to my sister. And then I did not cancel that subscription. And it was like 60 bucks a month or 60 bucks for the year. It wasn't 60 bucks a month. That would be an insane price for an e-card site. Still 60 bucks a year, more than like the athletic subscription I have. Pretty ridiculous. I got to say either way, you can save a lot of money with Truebill and they are going to cancel those subscriptions that you do not want or need, or you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel and they don't really tell you. There's no alert. Hey, your subscription, your free trial is coming up and you're going to start getting charged. They never tell you that because they're sneaky and Truebill is here to counteract the sneakiness. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge yeah, concierge. They have concierges. That is a big deal. Is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions as well so you don't have to I can't tell you enough how much this product speaks to the things that I fail to do whenever I buy something new on the internet. Don't fall for subscription scams. Don't fall for those free trials that never end. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Could save you thousands. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. And today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. You know by now, Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars in the game. They're fantastic and they can make a delicious dessert replacement. I am a man with a sweet tooth. If you are uh, an American listener celebrating Thanksgiving this week, or if you're just someone in the holiday season who likes to indulge in a shortbread cookie or 50 once in a while, maybe you can replace some of those desserts with a Built Bar because you get the same sensation of a nice, you know, indulgent treat that tastes great but you're not getting the same calories and sugar and all of that stuff. Instead of a 300-calorie slice of pie at Thanksgiving, you can go for a Built Bar for just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and plenty of protein. You can replace any confection with a Built Bar. There's probably a flavor to replace it with low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, and high-protein covered in 100% real chocolate. They're a great option for when you're hungry, maybe when you're walking around doing your holiday shopping and you want to uh, you know, have a little snack in your bag, you don't want to go to Arby's at the mall, which, hey, if you want to go to Arby's at the mall, I'm not going to complain. I think that's a great call. But if you don't want to eat a beef and cheddar, you can eat yourself a Built Bar. They do not have beef and cheddar flavored. Of course, they have delicious sweet flavors more so than that. And I can't recommend the flavors enough. They have lots of great things coming out at the time. Limited time flavors. I just got a bunch of Built Puffs sent to me. Uh, there's a ruby chocolate one. There's a lemon drop one. And there's also a uh, caramel almond that is out that is extremely festive and fall-like and just kind of makes you feel warm in a bundle. I highly recommend those as well. 
New surprises coming out all month as we're in the time for limited time flavors really all over the place on Built.com. So go check the site often. And Black Friday is in two days. If you go to Built.com on Black Friday, it's going to be a massive event with all sorts of surprises. So go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's continue on, shall we? We will continue on with your mailbag questions. Let's pull up the next one here. This one comes from, I should say, there was the back part of the question that RapsFan902 sent in regarding, I'll just get to this one here, uh, regarding Malachi Flynn for Bull Bull after the P.J. Dozier injury with the Nuggets. I don't get it with Bull Bull, man. I just, I think he's cool. I think it's nice that he's very tall and lean. I don't really think he's a basketball player. I think he's more of like the taco fall persuasion where he's more a meme than he is anything else. I I get it. There's some skill there. I I get the nuggets don't really mess around and they usually are going to take guys who are pretty talented, but I just don't really see it with Bull Bull. He's not really ever done anything in the NBA, and I don't really think he has the profile of a guy who is going to do anything in the NBA. And I think the Nuggets, a team that is very good at player development, really kind of nurtures guys along. If they had seen something in Bull Bull, he'd be playing by now, and I just I don't think there's anything there. So no, I'm not in on the Bull Bull for Malachi Flynn train. Uh, I will say, though, the question did come up. I did mention I'd maybe trade Malachi Flynn for Yaka Pirtle at this point. Uh, this one comes in from Matt T, who asked a couple questions on today's show. Could Flynn be traded? He's barely played any meaningful minutes and has not shown any major improvement from last year. Look, I, I've, it's always tough talking about Malachi Flynn. Thank you for the question, Matt. It is tricky because he still has lost so much development time in a program that is all about development. Like, you can't understate how much the pandemic and the shortened preseason, the lack of summer league in the first year, the lack of a G League season, how much that clearly weighed on Malachi Flynn's development and took away an opportunity that a lot of other guys, every other Raptors draft pick in the past, you know, 10 years has gotten the chance to go through. And I think it's unfair to put too much sort of, you know, oh, he's a bust or something like that. First of all, I don't think there are any busts with the 29th overall pick. Would it be nice to have Desmond Bain on the team right now? Yeah, probably. But I think a lot of teams are feeling that. And I think there's still a chance here that Malachi Flynn can be a really nice backup point guard. Do I think he's going to be a star level starter or anything like that? No, but I do think he can be a really effective backup. And he's shown in very limited action this season, seems like five, six times in a row where he's played, he's done positive things on the floor. I think there is a good player in there and a guy who can really be a sort of anchor for a second unit to really organize and get a chaotic collection of players and Precious Achua and Chris Boucher, Svima Hailuk all kind of coalesce together into one collective unit. I think there's something there. I, th- I should throw Delano Banton into the Chaos crew as well. That Boucher, Banton, Achua trio is uh, all over the place. But yeah, if you have someone to kind of tie it all together in a nice bow like Malachi Flynn, I think there's some potential there. It's just a really difficult thing to evaluate right now, and I'm not really sure how to evaluate it. I, I have been a proponent of sending him down to the G League to get him some like actual substantial run of 35 minutes a night. I think this would go into another question we're going to get about Goran Dragic, also from Matt. 
you know, I think, you know, putting Flynn down in the G League opens up some extra minutes for Goran Dragic. Maybe you get Dragic a little bit more run, showcase him a little bit to flip him for a trade, you know, in January, February, something like that. And then Flynn comes up and really kind of takes over. You know, it's easy to forget Flynn was the rookie of the month last year. I have said that, you know, the back part of last season really is kind of fake to me, but he legitimately was good for the team when he played last season in that stretch down the back stretch of the season, even though nothing else mattered and the team was terrible. I thought Flynn showed a lot of really promising signs. I think they're all still there. I think his pick and roll operation is very clearly effective. And I think the team should probably use more pick and roll when he's playing to take advantage of that skill set. And I just think there is some shot making there and just some sort of like... I don't know, he's kind of got like a tenacity about him too, the way he kind of rips balls away from defensive rebounders unexpectedly and all that. Like, I think he's got the chops to be a part of this team, even though he's not clearly the physical profile of guy the Raptors tend to prioritize these days. But I I think, you know, he could be traded. I don't know what his value is right now necessarily as more than just like a throw-in. You know, I think that's kind of what he is at this point. But I do think there's a role for him there. And I do think by season's end, we will have, you know, a bit more sort of tape on Malachi Flynn and more of an idea of, is he going to be like a long-term piece of this team? It's still only 20 games in, 18 games in. There's plenty of time here for Malachi Flynn to snatch a rotation spot. And look, injuries happen all the time. It sucks, but they do. I'm sure there will be an injury at some point that will give him a gate way into minutes. Let's get to the question here from Matt T as well about Goran Dragic. What can the Raptors uh, expect in return for Dragic this season prior to the season? Thought they could get Dwight Powell and Josh Green from the Mavericks. Not so sure now. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say that he has much trade value right now. He hasn't played more than one game in the last month or so. He played really well in that one game. That was nice to see, but you know, he's got to have some regular run here if he's going to showcase himself for a trade. And again, I know Raptors fans don't want to see Goran Dragic playing for this team. It kind of runs counter to the development side of things, where obviously that's a priority this year. But I think long term, if you can flip him for a reasonable asset because he's had two months of good basketball, I think you will be happy to have had him play alongside your younger guys. And honestly, I think he can help facilitate that development a little bit as well. Similar to Malachi Flynn, he just kind of ties things together a little bit. He's an adult. He is the guy who can sort of reign in the chaos a little bit. I think you can see pretty effective results if you had like Dragic, Banton, uh, Svi, uh, Boucher, Achua, or three of those guys perhaps with Dragic and then a starter mixed in. I think you could actually see that lineup kind of take off here if it was given some opportunity. But they have not obviously given Dragic any opportunity. And I guess that's fair. You know, that he's not part of the long-term plans. And I think they've telegraphed that. But I, I do think if they're, they're expecting anything in return for him beyond like a second-round pick, he's got to play a little bit more to showcase himself. It might just be that you get a second or two. It might be like a P.J. Tucker with the Sun situation back in, uh, what the hell year was it? Whenever they traded for P.J. Tucker to replace Jared Sullinger as the Raptors' uh, starting power forward that season, 2016-17, I guess it was. Maybe that's the kind of return you're looking at, a couple seconds for Goran Dragic right now. But again, he's not playing at all. It could be even less than that. It could be protected second. I'm not really sure. I don't think they're going to buy him out at this point. There's no incentive to, but maybe, you know, as the season goes along here and he doesn't get in the lineup, maybe that leads to, you know, a trade demand or something like that, or a demand to be bought out and the agent kind of, you know, ruffles some feathers. We could see that. I still think, you know, have low expectations, but if there's an emergency injury or something like that, maybe you can kind of uh, take advantage of a team and get more in return than you might expect. And maybe that offer from the Mavs is still on the table, considering, 
you know, they, they feel like they're kind of a good team. Jalen Brunson got hurt last night. Maybe that kind of spirals into something. Who's to say? Hope you hopefully it doesn't because Jalen Brunson's cool and good. But, um, you know, that that's a uh, thing to keep an eye on as well. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, have l- low expectations and you will not be disappointed by what the Raptors end up getting or not getting for Goran Dragic down the line is my best advice there. We got more questions to get to. In just a second here. Before we do that, however, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag who are amazing and they have a brand new website that is uh, totally set up for you for all of your Thanksgiving betting. It's you know what it means. It's football all day long on Thursday. Whether you're Canadian or American, you got Bet Online there serving you up with all of the props and bets and lines and everything you need for Thanksgiving football. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on to receive your bonus. It is not just Football as well. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on your favorite sports. Bet Online, they are stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. I love that. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, let's uh, finish up here with some more of your mailbag questions to round out the show This one here comes from, and I should say off the top, I apologize because I'm not going to get to all of these questions. A lot came in, so I'll get to as many as I possibly can. Uh, This one here comes from Jack Uzi, who asks from YouTube, uh, what should we expect from the Raps for the rest of the season? A serious playoff hope or just a roller coaster sub 500 year? I still think this team has playoff chops. I think the Eastern Conference is very much there to be had in a lot of ways. Do I think they're likely to be a top six seed at this point? Probably not. I think the Wizards have been too good. They've banked a lot of wins so far. I don't I don't think the Wizards are this good necessarily, but the fact that the Bucks, the Knicks, the Celtics, the Sixers are all kind of floating in that sub, you know, six seed range right now. I think that, you know, it's just going to be very cluttered for the Raptors to get up there. I still think there's a chance. I think there is a run in this team for sure with the way they play defense, with the way that, you know, I think their offense can coalesce and has been better than expected so far this season. They still boast the number eight offense in the NBA per NBA.com. So, you know, with that and how far ahead of schedule the offense seems to be, I do think as the defense hopefully kind of finds itself getting into gear here. I think we could see a nice run for this team. And, you know, you know, maybe they go on a five or six game winning streak in the back part of the season somewhere, somewhere here and kind of gain some ground. I don't think they're going to be, you know, a, a huge sub 500 team. I think they will be around 500 or better. I think the talent on the roster, the depth on the roster, if fully healthy, is really nice. And we're seeing really positive steps from Pascal Siakam. And, uh, you know, OG Ananobi is obviously doing his sort of development thing and taking a leap. Hopefully he's back tonight against the Grizzlies, by the way. Uh, you know, Scotty Barnes is obviously already contributing at a very positive level, even though his defense is uh, way behind where you would hope it would be. He's a rookie. It makes sense. And his offense has been really nice as a connector. He's been able to do it when he's not scoring. When he is scoring, he kind of changes the entire game for the Raptors as well. Um, So yeah, I, I think, again, expectations are sort of a loaded thing this year. I think having 
reasonable expectations is important. You're going to enjoy this season a lot more if you're not sort of fixated on the wins and losses necessarily, and you're more sort of focused on the game-to-game progression and the growth and the flourishes that you kind of see the full vision in in display. You're not going to see the completed Raptors this season. It's going to be two, three years, I think, before that even happens. But you will see flashes of what it can look like and what the vision is kind of going for here. And I think that's really important to, you know, fixate on and, and appreciate the regular season is long, man. If you're worried too much about the postseason, you're going to miss the regular season and all the fun that comes with it. I've long been a pro-regular season person. I think the regular season is too sort of slept on as, a, as an important sort of testing ground for teams. I think, you know, the fact that you can go 82 games and be the number one team in the league, that to me is very, very impressive. It's 82 games. It's a long, long stretch. Almost more impressive to me than some, you know, walk through the the playoffs and win a title. Obviously, the title is always going to be the thing that people care about most, but I guess I'm a soccer fan as well, and I like the idea of getting rewarded and being valued for what you do over the course of the six-month regular season. I think it's a cool thing when you're a good and cool regular season team, and I think the Raptors are cool. They're sort of good. They're certainly not disappointing. They're not a bummer to watch. Even their losses have moments that are really exciting, and I think if you sort of temper your expectations that way, you can kind of phase out a lot of the net negativity and they're going to win games along the way here too they're too good not to win games I don't think this is going to be some sort of tanking season I don't think hopefully not knock on wood that COVID's going to befall them like it did last season and totally derail what was a really promising stretch I think we could see this team really kind of round into form here hopefully as they get healthy the way Pascal Siakam has played I think is really promising in that department as well I'm feeling pretty good and yeah I, I think I would still sort of pencil them in for what I thought the record would be. I had them at 42 and 40. I think that's kind of around the range I'm looking at. And that could be the seventh or eighth seed. That could be a ninth seed. I think play-in is very much on the table for this for this team. And I, I think if they're lower than play-in, then you can kind of be disappointed. But I, I would still expect that they're going to be in that mix all season long. Uh On that note, question here came in from Logan Christie from Twitter. Logan asks, are the East 5-12 seeds really better than the West 5-12? How do you think the East 5-12 will pan out? I think the East 5-12 is substantially better than the West 5-12. I'm just going to pull up the standings here. Bear with me as I uh, Google. I had the tab open and I closed it because I'm a buffoon. Either way... I think, I mean, the top four right now in the East, I don't think any of these teams are fake necessarily. I still don't buy the Wizards as like an incredible team. They've lost a couple games here. They're 11 and six, but like Nets, Heat, Bulls, all very good, all convinced they're going to be top six seeds. And then you have the five through 12 right now in the East is Hornets, Knicks, Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Cavs, Hawks, Raptors. I think like most of those teams you would have penciled to be higher than six. Like, the Bucks for sure, and I think they will get there once they get healthy. They've won four in a row. They're going to be just fine. The Celtics have won three in a row. It's disgusting, but they are going to probably be there at the end of the day. As much as they're disappointing and have been injured and all this stuff, uh, I think they're going to turn it around. The Sixers, they're without every one of their good players right now and still kind of making it work. They won their last game. Um, you know, I think they're going to be just fine, obviously, once Joel Embiid's back and all that. They've kind of been befallen by COVID, but it has not derailed their season just yet. The Cavs are really good. They've lost four in a row, but they've been without Evan Mobley, who is probably the rookie of the year. Sorry, I know Scotty Barnes. It's it's sacrilegious to say that when Scotty Barnes is out there, but Evan Mobley's been incredible. His on-court impact's been enormous, and he's been a delight to watch. And the Cavs, I think, are like legitimately good, even with some injuries. The Hawks, I think, they've won five in a row. I think that is more in line with what their start was. They're good. They're deep. They're a regular season win machine in theory. And then you got the Raptors at 12. I think that is a loaded cast of teams. 
I think if I'm picking teams to fall, the Wizards probably a little bit. The Hornets, I don't know if they're an 11-8 and kind of 580 win percentage type team. They're good. They're really fun. I think they're inconsistent. And I think the Knicks are Fugazis. I don't think the Knicks are good. And I would probably pick the Knicks to finish the bottom of this group of teams. You know, if I'm penciling out how this is going to look, again, it's kind of hard to go order-wise. But of those teams, you know, the 4 through 12, if we're going to throw the Wizards in, if we're going to say the top three Nets, Heat, and Bulls are going to be sort of ironclad top six, I would say, you know, the Bucks are going to be in there, the Sixers will be in there, and probably the Celtics, but maybe the Wizards or Hornets. And then I think the Raptors finish ahead of the Cavaliers and the Knicks, if I had to guess right now. You know, where they slot in, who knows? There could be COVID that befalls teams. Maybe the Raptors go on a run here and pass the Celtics or whatever. But I do think, you know, this is like a loaded conference. It's really tough. The Western Conference is just not that deep. You've got the Lakers in that mix. You've got the Grizzlies, who are a very imperfect team built around a very perfect player in John Morant. I think the Blazers look pretty good. I'm actually pretty impressed with them and how they've kind of turned things around here. But like the 7 through 12 in the West, none of these teams are really doing it for me. The Grizzlies, they're fine. We'll see them tonight, obviously. The Nuggets are horribly injured all the time, and they just lost P.J. Dozier. We don't know if they're going to have Michael Porter back. Jamal Murray is not coming back anytime soon. I hope he's back at some point because he's amazing. But they've lost five straight, and I think they're in some trouble. The Lakers, we know the Lakers are a nightmare and hilarious. The Wolves are the Wolves. They won four straight, but like... Do you really believe it? I don't know. The Thunder, nightmare team. The Kings, a nightmare team. It's just not a good conference. And then the Spurs, Pelicans, Rockets, I think are all pretty bad. So yeah, the East is better. The East is deeper. It's a way more difficult race. I think if the Raptors were in the Western Conference, they'd probably be penciled in for a little bit higher of a seating, honestly, just because they are more of a complete and deep team than a lot of these rosters. But in the East, it is going to be tricky. And so going back to the previous question about the postseason and where they slot in, you know, it, it is difficult to sort of, you know, pat, mark out the path to being a top six team at the very least for the Raptors. I still think they're in that sort of, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 range, I suppose. I still think they'll be in the plane. I'm not too worried about that. Either way, let's wrap it up there. Uh, actually, let's get one more question in, shall we? One quick one. This one comes from Mark V, who asks, if you could turn back time, would you still take Scotty number four? If you had to redraft one through five, what would your order be? I think, yeah, I mean, for, for sure, I'm still taking Scotty. I've not seen anything to dissuade me from wanting that. Uh, I think the interesting one is like the top pick. You know, I, I think the way Evan Mobley is played, it's pretty hard to, to deny that guy's going to be unbelievable. Cade Cunningham also really good, though, and I don't think it's like a indictment on Cade Cunningham that he hasn't looked as good as Evan Mobley so far. I think the Pistons are weird. The, you know, the Cade Cunningham experience has been, you know, hampered by injury and all this stuff. I would certainly take Cade and Evan Mobley and Barnes ahead of Jalen Green right now. He just doesn't look... I know, it's the Rockets, the, the context is stupid, and this is way too early to be making this sort of proclamation or anything like that. Far, far too early, but I do think I would be a little concerned if I'm the Rockets looking at Jalen Green, his shot profile, the way he doesn't really play make at all. Truth be told, I haven't watched a ton of Rockets games because they're an absolute nightmare, but when I have watched, I have not been terribly impressed with Jalen Green. Obviously, he's going to you know score a ton of points and he's going to dunk and all that, but as far as like a play-driving, win-driving type player, I think Cade, Mobley, and Barnes, just for the two-way element of it all, kind of have the edge right now on Jalen Green. So I'd probably go Cade, or Mobley, Cade, Barnes, 
as of right now. And then four five, you know, Green's probably in there just because of the scoring. And then honestly, maybe Josh Giddy is five. I, I hate the Thunder and I don't like to praise them at all, but Josh Giddy looks awesome and uh, he's pretty cool. And, and Alperin Sengun is really cool too. He's thrown behind the back passes. Everyone knows how much I love a behind the back pass. That's a way to my heart. Uh, so I think he's kind of in that conversation for five as well. It's all again, so, so early. Jalen Suggs probably reasonably in there at five too, but I will say to answer the first part of the question, absolutely no regrets about Scotty at four. He looks like he's the real deal and I love him and he throws no look passes every single night which is, again, all you really want out of your top four pick, you know, titles and winning championships. No, no, no. Give me cool no-look passes, and that is going to be more than enough to satiate me. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Really appreciate it. We'll be back again tomorrow. Katie Heindel is going to come on the podcast. We're going to talk about the Raptors and the Grizzlies tonight down in Memphis as the Raptors continue their interminable road trip. I just want to see a Raptors game at home again. I want to go to a game. It's been too long. I miss them. I miss the arena. I miss the the concessions. I miss Leela's roti and doubles. I want the games back in Toronto, please. It's been far too long. Either way, there's only two games left on this road trip against the Grizzlies tonight and then the Pacers on Friday. So we'll tee that game up on Friday as well. Take a look at that. But for now, we will leave you uh, and uh, go make your second listen of the day after making, of course, Lockdown Raptors your first listen every day. Go listen to now Lockdown Fantasy Basketball to get your fix of what you need with fantasy basketball. Josh Lloyd is the best in the business, bar none. I don't play fantasy basketball, but when I have in the past, Josh is the guy I've relied on for all of my advice. So go check him out. He's on YouTube and all the podcast apps for free. Just the same as we are here at Locked On Raptors. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with Katie Heindel breaking down the Grizzlies game. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.